Thanks for pressing play. This is Christopher Lockhead. And on this episode, I answer an email question uh, from an entrepreneur who wants to become an author. And frankly, it's a question uh, I get a lot. So we're going to dig into uh, some of the specifics of becoming an author. And if by chance you have questions that you would like me to address on an upcoming episode, uh, send email to blackhole at lockhead.com. That's blackhole, all one word, at lockhead.com. Also, I want to thank you for sharing this podcast. Our podstorm was incredible. It was a ton of work, but the, the response from people was amazing. Uh, we had uh, CMOs and CEOs saying they were um, getting their whole company or their whole marketing department to listen. And I wanted to share with you uh, a victory that you helped make happen. Podstorm is now a word on Wikipedia. And so uh, it's a new category in podcasting. So if you go to Wikipedia and type in Podstorm, you'll actually see the word Tweetstorm and then Podstorm as a uh, outgrowth of Tweetstorm. So check that out on Wikipedia if you like. My friends at Oracle NetSuite are the world's number one cloud ERP system. Check out netsuite.com slash different. That's netsuite.com slash different. My friends at Splunk are the leaders in data to everything. Visit splunk.com slash D, the number two, the letter E as in data to everything. And I also wanted to tell you, we have a very super special episode coming out uh, soon. And it's something we've never done before. I get asked all the time, what are some of my favorite podcasts and specifically marketing podcasts? Well, one of them, one of my top marketing podcasts is called Marketing Over Coffee by my buddy, John Wall. And we're going to do something here in the Lockhead on Marketing feed that you'll get soon, which is we're taking an episode of Marketing Over Coffee with John and my buddy, co-author of Play Bigger, Kevin Maney, and we're going to drop it into this feed. And it's a stunning conversation that you're going to love. So in order to make sure that you get that, hit subscribe to Lockhead on Marketing on whatever your favorite oddcast player is. Now, hey-ho, let's go. This is Lockhead on Marketing, the podcast that helps you develop the lens for what makes legendary marketing legendary. Hosted by Christopher Lockhead, three-time CMO, godfather of category design, and a high school dropout, who the Marketing Journal calls one of the best minds in marketing, and The Economist calls off-putting to some. All right. So um, here are the questions. Uh, there's a series in a couple different topics. The first uh, this person asked is around publishing. And so he says, I know the Playbigger team used an agent and a traditional publisher to get Playbigger into the world. To acquire said agent slash publisher, did you write a book proposal before getting started on the writing? Or did you write the book first? And then he goes on to ask, what were your first steps in acquiring representation slash a publishing contract. Okay. And it's also important to note for Play Bigger, we uh, used an agent and a traditional publisher. And for Niche Down, we actually went uh, the self-publishing route. And I'll get into a little bit of that if you like. So what we did first was we approached the agent and we uh, told the agent sort of what our vision was. Uh, in, in our case, it was a, an agent who's well-known not just in the publishing world, but also the business publishing world. And we had a little bit of a cheat to be candid with you, which is 
there was four authors of, of Play Bigger, and one of them is a celebrated author called Kevin Maney. And uh, so Kevin had a lot of relationships in the publishing industry uh, because he's written a number of books that are amazing. And so we, we had an unfair advantage because we had a celebrated best-selling author on our team. And so that allowed us to get into the door of one of the top agents in New York. So we got in, we talked to that top agent, we shared with him sort of the vision for the book. And that agent helped us craft the book proposal. And once we had the book proposal done, uh, we began work on the book, but then the agent took that proposal and literally shopped it to a number of publishing houses. And so this questioner asks, did you write the book first? No, we got the agent first, then we wrote the book proposal, then the agent shopped the book proposal as we began the work on the book. We had, uh, in our case, we were incredibly fortunate. We had uh, uh, several publishers who were interested and the folks at HarperCollins came forward and we were really impressed by them. They seemed to get the vision of our book and uh, they offered us a wonderful advance and they published, you know, some many other great business books, including, you know, Jack Welsh's books. They published a hard thing about hard things for um, uh, Ben Horowitz and many other great business books come out of HarperCollins, as you probably know. So um, agent first, book proposal second, book proposal is what was used to market the or to sell the book. In the U.S., uh, HarperCollins bought it. So that's sort of how it worked. The other thing that's important to know if you're a first-time author and you're going the agent route, every country is a different deal. And so I, I forget exactly how many countries we're in, but, you know, for example, the U.K. and China and Korea and so forth, each of these subsequent countries were a separate deal and, and separate economics, different advances, et cetera. And in the case of international uh, versions of Play Bigger uh, that were in different languages, Korean and, and, and Chinese and so forth, the local publisher took responsibility for the translation of the book. And, uh, you know, there's a million things in Play Bigger I wonder about. How, how would they have translated that? But that's probably a topic for a different oddcast. So that was kind of the sequencing of it. What I would tell you is there are pros and cons of using a traditional publisher and a traditional agent. And I'm glad we did it the first time around. Uh, we had a wonderful publisher in HarperCollins. We had a wonderful agent. I think they did a great job for us. But it's also important to know that 100% of the marketing is on you. The publisher does none of it. The publisher's job is to help you create a great product and the publisher's job is to help distribute that product. And uh, in our case, HarperCollins did a great job of that. Uh, that said, like most authors, the vast majority of the marketing is up to us. Uh, it's important to know that. The second time around with Niche Down, Heather Clancy and I decided to self-publish. A, we wanted to get it out more quickly. It's also important to know, at least in our case, I think this is somewhat typical. We handed in the manuscript in November for Play Bigger, and the book came out in the subsequent June. And I'll tell you, as a kid with ADHD and, uh, <laughs> you know, as a kid who wanted to open his Christmas presents early, it's very, very hard to wrap the bow on your book, hand it to your publisher, 
and sit there and chill out for that long before it comes out. It's, it drives you a bit nuts. In the case of Niche Down, we wanted it to come out more quickly. So we finished the book and uh, you know, very shortly thereafter, we were able to launch it and we launched it on Amazon and we did really well with it. It hit number one the first week that it came out. The other thing about self-publishing, you have a lot more control than you do when a, a publisher has your book. You decide what the book's gonna look like, the cover art, all that stuff. Uh, you decide what kind of paper is going to be used. And of course, the obvious one is you have all of the economics. In the case of a traditional publisher, uh, you get an upfront um, uh, fee um, and then and then you earn out that fee over time. And then if you're lucky, uh, you get ongoing royalties. In the case of self-publishing, of course, Amazon takes their cut, but the rest of it is yours. And so a much higher percentage of the economics flows to you when you do it yourself. At the same time, of course, having a publisher, a major publisher, publish your book is a stamp of approval that is very, very hard to replicate on your own. All that said, there are pros and cons. Um, I, I, there are things I like about one that I don't like about the other and, and so forth. And so I think it's important that you think it through. And I would underscore it is in no way, shape or form, uh, I think, a negative to self-publish. If you want to self-publish, go for it. And I also can tell you uh, the benefit of a major publisher like HarperCollins is hard to put into words because uh, people understand when a major publisher publishes your book, uh, they do put your book in a different category than, than self-publishing. All right. The next set of questions are around drafting. Uh, what was the first thing you did or would recommend I do to get the ball rolling regarding actual content? Flesh out your outline or main argument the thing you want to say and how you want to structure it and so forth. Okay, so here's what we did. We decided, and again, Play Bigger was pretty unique in that we had four authors. Uh, three of us uh, had no experience writing a book before. And one of us, Kevin Maney, of course, had a ton of experience. So here was the process we put in place that may or may not be applicable to you. Number one, we agreed what the chapters would be up front. So there was a baseline structure of what chapter was going to go where. And then we sort of talked about what were the things that at a high level needed to be in those chapters. So we sort of got that skeleton built, if you will. And then we went to work on the chapters. And in our case, how we did it was we sort of realized up front we wanted to have some primary research in it. So your, your questions about research, we knew we wanted some primary research and we went off and did that. And we had a pretty good idea where it would fit, um, but we reference our research in, in multiple places. The second thing that we did was we went out and referenced a lot of other people's research. As a matter of fact, this is how I met my buddy, Eddie Yoon. He's done more writing on category for Harvard Business Review than anybody living or dead. And as I was doing research on Play Bigger, I found him immediately and we wanted to reference some of his work. I reached out to him, et cetera, et cetera. And so after we had the outline, we knew we wanted some primary research and we were pretty sure we wanted to pull in and reference other people's research and we had a good skeleton of that, and then we started work. And in our case, because there were multiple authors, and by the way, as a side note, there were publishers who took a pass on our book because they were afraid four authors was going to create uh, a mess. Uh, we didn't want to let that happen at all, and it didn't. If you read the book, you'll see. So what we decided to do was get together in person, uh, which we did at my house, for a few days. We had a ton of fun. We brainstormed 
We talked, we shared stories and all this. And Kevin, as sort of the professional author, captured all of that. And uh, the degree to which any of the three of us, other than Kevin, had um, written stuff about the topics we were talking about for our two-day brainstorm at my house, we gave him that. And so Kevin walked away from those two-day jam sessions with a whole bunch of notes, some written stuff, some taped stuff, and so forth. And then he went to work on creating the first draft of the next two chapters. And then once he got a good draft, he would email it to us. And the way we did it, because there were multiple authors in place, we agreed that the three of us uh, rookies were going to make our notes and suggestions and changes on the draft that Kevin sent us. Uh, We were not going to talk to each other or Kevin about our notes and comments and and, and suggested changes. And then what we did was we got together uh, on a call and we shared all of our feedback with Kevin. And this is an important part. And this is why I think the book reads the way it does as opposed to being a mess. After that feedback on the first draft of a chapter, Kevin took the feedback and wrote the next draft. And we all agreed that Kevin was the the arbiter, the decider of what feedback he listened to from the three of us and what feedback he decided to throw out the window. And unless one of us had some really strong feelings about something, you know, our mantra was let Kevin, because he was the professional best-selling author, decide on the flow of the book and on what goes in and what goes out. And so jam session, draft from Kevin, feedback on draft, another draft from Kevin, and another feedback session. And generally, we were able to put a chapter to bed like that. And then we'd go and repeat the whole process for the next chapter. And we would do jam sessions at my house that would give Kevin enough for two or three chapters at a time. And then we'd get back together roughly every six weeks in person because we're, you know, he, Kevin was on the East Coast and the other, the three of us were spread around the San Francisco Bay area. And so that was the process that we put in place to bring a group of, uh, in our case, guys together uh, to write the book. And, you know, it worked incredibly well uh, because we had a straw man, we had a plan, and then we worked sequentially through the chapters. And then, of course, at the end, we went back through the whole thing. We did another round of comments, another round of suggestions. The other thing we did, and I think this is um, interesting, and I know different authors do it in different ways. Some authors like to write the whole book and hand it to their editor, their publisher, and their agent for feedback at the end. Our publisher asked us, and our agent for that matter, asked us to see a few chapters at a time. They wanted to see the progress of the book. And I think in hindsight, part of it was they wanted to make sure we were were not goofing off, uh, you know, because they had paid us in advance. (laughs) Second of all, they sort of wanted to see if we were tracking and they would give us little pointers and and tips and, and, and encouragement and love and support along the way. And so I'm somebody who likes to be collaborative and, and that was a very positive thing for me. And I think from, you know, my co-authors. And so that's another thing to think about. Regardless of whether you're self-publishing or going with a top tier publisher, you're going to have an editor. And, and, uh, both with Play Bigger and with Niche Down, with Niche Down, Heather and I hired an independent editor and we did the same thing. Uh, we worked with her 
on a regular basis as we were creating uh, the chapters and getting feedback. And so I think that um, that's a very positive way of sort of co-creating the book and having your editor sort of in lockstep with you and allowing them to kind of nudge you uh, and so forth as you create the book. Because it's really hard, you know, even if you're sharing what you're writing with some of your close friends or your spouse or somebody like that, those people are generally going to be supportive. And and it's a little bit like your mom telling you how handsome you are, you know. And so having a third party editor uh, who's committed to the project, but at the same time is going to be uh, ruthless, um, but encouraging around the work, uh, I think is very important. And we had that in both cases with Play, Play Bigger and with Niche Down. Okay, the next set of questions are around what this person calls cosigns, and I think it's about endorsements. At what point did you begin reaching out to folks for blurbs, endorsements, etc.? cetera? Uh, and then he says, I'm guessing it was once the drafting was largely done. Yes. We did not go out uh, for endorsements until uh, we had something substantive to put in front of people, and we got some pretty big endorsements. And we waited until there was a pretty solid, you know, 80, 90% done uh, working draft. And the reason for that is any major person, celebrity, uh, entrepreneur, you know, Mark Benioff, by way of example, endorsed Play Bigger. And so did Jim Getz from Sequoia and, and, and many other incredible folks, Ray Wong from Constellation Research and, and many others. If you're going to approach people like that and ask them, for a quote that you can put on your cover or you could put on your Amazon page or your website or what have you, they're going to want to see the whole book and they're going to want to go through it. And I get asked a lot today to endorse books and I'm happy to if it's good work and I believe in the author and the topic. However, I get sent book proposals or an overview all the time and I get asked to endorse based on a, you know, four-page document or a 12-page overview or something. I never do that. If I'm going to endorse a book from another author, I want to see as close to the final thing as possible. Uh, because if my name's going to be associated with it, even in a small way, I, I really want to see it. That's just me. And I think a lot of folks who, who endorse books feel similarly, but that's definitely how I feel. All right. And then the last question he asks, I think is the, um, is probably the most important question you could, <laughs> you could ask anybody, which is, is there anything else I should keep in mind as I get started? And yes, uh, it's a journey for sure that you're on. Uh, Play Bigger was roughly 18 months. Niche Down was faster. It was a smaller book, but even still, it was about six or eight months. And again, we self-published so we could get it out more quickly. So understand that you're embarking on a long journey here. Number two, in both cases, I loved writing the books. In both cases, when they were done, it was a big letdown because it, when you're working against a deadline, you're doing something that is really important to you and you're hoping will be important to others. In, in our case, doing it in a highly collaborative way. You're in this mode where you're highly creative, highly collaborative, um, highly anticipatory of completion, highly anticipatory of launch. And so it's a very exciting, intense time. And, and, and it's an intimate time when you're working with somebody else. And when the project's done, 
it's a bummer. And so I've had people talk about how writing a book was a horrible process. In both cases for me, it was one of the greatest things I've ever done. Um, the relationships that I had with the folks with both books, with Heather and Niche Down and the three guys on Play Bigger, uh, Al Ramadan, Dave Peterson, and Kevin Maney. You know, we had great relationships coming into the books. The relationships were, were, were powerfully sort of intense during the writing of the book. And we had a lot of fun. We made a commitment at the beginning to have a ton of fun. And this is the thing that I would tell you, you know, if, if you want to write a book to become a billionaire um, like J.K. Rowling, probably not going to happen. But if you write a book because you want to have fun, and I think probably most importantly, there's a contribution you want to make to the world. You are like legendary entrepreneurs, mission driven. You're on a mission to share whatever is in those pages. And you want to have fun delivering on that mission. Look, and I don't want to be overly preachy about this, but I think that's a really good place to come from. So I I would ask you to consider it. I, I hear too many authors say writing the book was like pulling teeth. It was painful. It was this, it was that. And I think, well, fucking A, like it, this should be a labor of love. And yes, it's intense. And yes, it can be hard. And yes, you're on a deadline and all those things. But you're doing all of that because you're on this mission, because you want to make a contribution. And hopefully because you think the idea of writing a book is going to be fun. And so uh, one expression I love is if it ain't fun, it ain't getting done. So try to find a way to make it fun. And in addition to that, People can tell when they read your book. I get feedback all the time. It says, you guys really like each other. You guys clearly had fun writing this book, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Things along those lines. It comes through in the pages. And so I would encourage you from a creation perspective uh, to make it fun. And then from a marketing perspective, and you didn't ask any questions about this, so we'll leave that maybe for another episode down the line. When we handed in the manuscript to Play Bigger, our agent said to us, congratulations, you now completed half the work because the second half is the marketing. And I would even assert to you now, it's been four years since Play Bigger came out and two years since Niche Down came out, that the writing of the book is probably 25% of the work because the marketing of the book is a heavier lift than I could have ever imagined. The good news is, just like writing both books, for me, the marketing of both books has been, for the most part, a labor of love because the topic of the books is a topic I care tremendously about. You know, marketing, of course, category design, entrepreneurship, innovation, but really this idea of category design. How do you design a unique place in the world uh, so that you can stand out and you can uh, make a difference and you can be become known for a niche that you own, except all the good shit about category design. And so my love for the topic has made the ongoing marketing of the book easy. And as a matter of fact, I don't think about it as marketing of the books. I think a bit about it as uh, an incredible topic that I enjoy talking about. And so I would want to talk about category design, whether there were books or not. And so that makes the quote unquote marketing fun, just like writing the book was fun. And it also means, you know, it's been four years and 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 we continue to work hard on on it. 
And the interesting thing about Play Bigger, less so niche down, Play Bigger's sales have just, there was a spike at the launch and uh, then, of course, leveled off and came down and then just built over time. There's been a, a sort of organic uh, build that's happened. Never forget, word of mouth is your number one um, marketing. And so as you go to do the marketing of your books, remember what you're trying to do, which is you're actually trying to um, uh, fire people up so they talk about it, so that they gift it, so they give it away, uh, things along those lines. And so I would encourage you to bring joy to the marketing of your book. And there's lots of specifics we could talk about. Uh, having a podcast and a book is a very, very powerful thing. And there's many other things we've learned about marketing, mail list, mail list, mail list, <laughs> email list, and many others I could share with you. We could do a whole episode on marketing a book. But, but that would be the other thing to keep in mind. I think it's probably 25% of the work is writing a legendary book. 75% is the marketing. And if you have true joy uh, for the topic and you really feel mission purpose oriented uh, around what you're doing, then um, it's going to be it's going to be fun. And you're going to look back on both the writing and the marketing of the book as um, a great time in your life. That's how I feel about it. And uh, I hope as you go forward to write your book, uh, you feel the same way. All right, we would like to thank the good folks at NetSuite. They're the number one cloud ERP and business system. And they have this great new guide out called Seven Actions Businesses Need to Take Now. To check that out and get your free product tour of NetSuite, go to netsuite.com slash different today. Right now, data matters probably more than ever. And that's where my friends at Splunk come in, helping you turn data into doing. Visit S-P-L-U-N-K slash D, the number two, the letter E. My friends at Cheetah are doing something incredible right now. Check out gocheetah.com. If you live in the San Francisco Bay Area, because they are offering spectacular, uh, high-quality groceries, uh, wholesale groceries to you and I as individuals. And, um, you know, food matters a ton, and it's a challenge right now to get our food, and Cheetah's doing something really special here. So check out GoCheetah.com if you're in the Bay Area. All right, I need to remind you that this podcast is the sole property of the Lockhead Oddcast Network. Thank you so much. We'd love it if you shared the shit out of it. Uh, today's information is provided to you solely for informational purposes. Remember to consult your shaman, doctor, or dad before acting on anything you heard today. Uh, never forget that um, Tom Waits was right. Uh, we are produced and edited by living podcast legend Jason DeFilippo, Sarah Knox, and Jamie J. Do technical execution and build lockhead.com. We got some new shit on there. Check out lockhead.com, L O C H H E A D. While you're there, uh, subscribe to our newsletter, show notes by Diane Gervasio. And um, the thought I'll leave you with is why not get after it? Because now is a legendary time to get after it. All right. Thank you so much. Please stay healthy, stay legendary. And until we're together again, follow your difference.